Now, this morning, or my, my afternoon, but your morning, I want to talk about relationships with others. Um, now, unless you are a hermit and you live in a cave in the hills, um, you will have relationships with people. It's a God-given thing. But, you know, relationships have different levels. Some are very superficial. Um, now, for example, you'll go out of here, you'll walk past people in the street, um, you have no relationship with them, and yet they're passing you by. Perhaps when you go to your supermarket, you may know the person working behind the counter, you may even know their name, and you might say hello, but it's superficial. Now, what about every Sunday? I know that when you have visitors at MCC, you ask them to stand up to say their name, that's where they've come from. But I would say that it's still a superficial relationship. Um, you really know nothing about those people. But then relationships can deepen. Someone might come to church and later on you start a friendship with them. Uh, we saw that last year when we came as strangers. Didn't take long and we were going out for meals and we were enjoying other people's company. Um, but listen, you don't tell everybody all about your story. You keep it to yourself. We only share part of the story, but that is a very quite a common relationship uh, to have. But then we grow in depth in our relationship. We begin to trust a person and we begin to be happy to share our story, our life story. And we allow the friend to honestly talk into our situation. Um, this is really when it gets really deep and personal. We don't take offense when they begin to tell us the truth. We value their opinions. And we even change how we live and what we're doing wrong because we trust them. It's a very close relationship. It's a real intimate relationship. But let me say that those relationships are very rare. Um, now today, I want to talk about the depth of relationship that we can have with Jesus Christ. And I believe this is very important and very essential. You see, God longs to have an intimate relationship with us. He longs to be able to get close to us and for us to be close to him. And we see that with David and with other people who wrote the Psalms. They had deep, intimate relationships with God and they exposed their true feelings. They were able to open right up and share. And I believe a very important question, and that's a question only we can answer, is what sort of relationship do we have with God on our Christian journey? Is it a superficial one or a very close one? And they're two quite distinct polarities apart. Now, perhaps you have gone to church for a long time, you've lived a very good life. Maybe you have a lot of academic knowledge about God and you do the right things. But even that relationship can be very superficial. It can be quite casual. And we don't get too deep with our relationship with God. Now, I'm going to start looking at a series of looking at different Psalms. There are 150 Psalms. And so we'll choose a few to study because they, I believe, express a whole range 
of human experiences. They express from great joy to the despair and depths of despair. They cover just about every emotional experience that you and I will go through and deal with. They're really talking about life, and this is why they're so important. And when we read Psalms, it always brings us back to God as our eternal and central focus. Now, David wrote 73 of them. 51 are anonymous, and the rest are written by a collection of people that are named. But in Psalms, the writers show that they have an intimate relationship with God. They have really gone beyond the superficial. Now, how do we see this? How, do we, how can I say that and we know it? You see, the writers expose their life. They honestly pour out their true feelings. They confess their sins. They express their doubts and their fears. They ask God's help in times of trouble. And they praise and worship him. Now, that is a lot different from a superficial relationship. Now, they weep. They cry out to God from the depths of despair. They rejoice. They sing to him in the heights of celebration. But whether despairing or rejoicing, you will always hear them sharing their honest feelings with God. And that is true intimacy. Is that something you do? you hold it to yourself or do you praise, do you worship? He knows when things aren't going well and you praise him when things are. Now, this is true. We often read Psalms in church. Why do we do it? I believe we read Psalms because they are very encouraging. Many people turn to the book of Psalms. It's actually right smack in the middle of your Bible. Uh, you can't open it up to the middle without seeing Psalms. But you know, people turn to Psalms because of comfort in times of their struggle and distress. People go to Psalms instinctively and read them. I have done that many times. And they, like the writers of Psalms, the effect is they rise from their depths of despair. They rise to joy and praise as they have discovered the power of God's everlasting love and forgiveness that are written about in the Psalms. Now listen to Psalm 63 and hear the intimate relationship that David had with God. He says, you are my God. I worship you. In my heart, I long for you as I would for a stream in a scorching desert. I have seen your power and your glory in the place of worship. Your love means more than life to me. And I praise you as long as I live I will pray to you. I will sing joyful praises and be filled with excitement like a guest at a banquet. I think about you before I go to sleep and my thoughts turn to you during the night. You have helped me and I sing happy songs in the shadow of your wings. I stay close to you and your powerful arms support me. What an amazing psalm that is. What level and here's a question. What level of friendship or relationship do we really want to have with Jesus Christ and God his Father? Are we happy to be superficial or do we want to be like Paul, uh, um, David here and really express what he means? Now today 
in Psalm 1, we will see that choosing the right relationship with other people is important. I'll say that again. We will see that choosing the right relationships with other people is important. Remember, I'm talking about relationships here. Now, why? Because this has huge influence on our life and whether we cultivate an intimate relationship with God or not, our friends can really impact how we go in this area. Psalm 1 and verse, uh, to verse 6 tells us the difference between two groups of people, the difference between two people, two groups who, who, who are part of life, the blessed and the wicked. Now, some translations, they don't use wicked, they say ungodly. Now, I can hear one or two of you getting stirred up saying, hey, I'm not wicked. I don't rob banks. I don't kill or steal. But let me explain what it means in this passage. You see, a blessed person is one who is in, in, in an intimate relationship with God through Jesus Christ and who no longer submits to the world. I'll say that again. A blessed person is one who is in an intimate relationship with God through Jesus Christ and who no longer submits to the world. Contrast that with the wicked. In this version, in Psalm 1, the wicked means a person is one who does not belong to God and is controlled by his passions. He is not even an acquaintance of God. So you don't have to be a bank robber to be wicked. It's just saying here that it's our relationship which determines that. Now, in the Greek, blessed is the plural and means oh so happy or very happy. Oh so happy or very happy. I think the cry of every person is that they want to be happy. Um, do you want to be happy? I do. But let's see what the world thinks of being happy. Um, being blessed. Maybe owning something like a new car or a new house. Maybe happiness is buying, uh, has, you mean you have more money, or maybe a different job, or marrying a certain person. Uh, maybe you could be happy traveling. That's the worldview. But what is the real truth? You may have all these things and think you are happy, but are you, and why aren't you, never satisfied? Do you need more? and more to keep you happy. A new car, better house, um, travel over the place, all over. We need things, the world would say, to keep us happy. But God has a lot to say in Psalm 1 about blessedness or happiness, and it is not what the world would tell us. We need to listen to this. If you want to be uh, happy from the world's point of view, that's fine, but what is Psalm 1 telling us? Let's read Psalm 1. The righteous and the wicked contrasted. Listen to the words. Blessed is the person who does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But their delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law they meditate day and night. They will be like a tree planted by the streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. And in whatever they do, they prosper. 
in contrast, the wicked are not so, but they are like chaff which the wind blows away, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, and the way of the wicked will perish. Now that's a fascinating six, uh, six verses, but it covers some pretty strong things there. You see, it starts with a description of a blessed, happy person by what they do not do, by what they do not do. Verse 1, blessed is the person who does not. It's the things he says no to. Now, he does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. To be blessed, then, we need to be careful who we listen to and take advice from. We need to be careful who influences us. Everyone has an opinion to which, uh, may, which may be well-intentioned. But, you know, some people won't take advice from anyone, which is wrong. And some people take everyone's advice, which is also wrong. We can become confused. They can be powerfully influenced by many different ways uh, than just sitting down and talking to someone. We can be influenced by what we see on TV or watch on YouTube or the internet. And here, this, this verse is telling us, be careful who or what influences us and who we take our advice from. Make sure it is godly counsel that you listen to and not worldly advice. Now that's interesting. Now, again, the blessed person does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners. Now, you see, if you walk in the footsteps of those who give you bad advice, if you're always listening to bad advice and you let them influence you, you will soon stand amongst those who give it. We, we get drawn and we'll stand with them. Now, 1 Corinthians 15 verse 33 says, Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good morals or character. You see, we can be influenced by the negative. Having bad friends and being influenced by the wrong things can destroy you. Now this psalm, now listen to this, this psalm does not say that we should not have Christian friends. Last week, I encouraged you to have at least one non-Christian friend. Now Jesus was a friend of sinners. He was constantly being criticized, but he didn't hang out with them, allowing himself to be influenced to become like them. His aim was, and our aim should be, to influence them so that they would become like him. Jesus made friends deliberately with the people who are often social outcasts, but he did it to encourage them and to help them come into a relationship with him and what he offered. So we must be careful that we don't let people or things influence, influence us and adopt and practice their lifestyle. But we can influence them instead. Then the third thing is in this section, in this Psalm 1, the blessed person does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. Now, this is a reality. It's 
I guess it's a, a very popular seat to be sitting in these days, scoffing, because globally, Christians or Christianity is becoming very unpopular. There's a lot of anti-statement. Perhaps in different countries, it's really uh, condemned Christianity. But we must, and, and they're scoffers. Christians are often seen as the enemy or the religious nutters who are stopping liberal progress in a modern world. Things have changed. Our government in New Zealand is very liberal. They would try and destroy good values, good Christian things. But uh, and Christians are often the enemy when people are trying to change things. Because you see, it's the Christians who stand up against perhaps abortion or same-sex marriage and, and other, thing, other things that are liberated by our liberal governments. Now, standing up against the trend of the world to destroy every standard that the Bible sets is not a popular opinion to have in a liberal, anything goes world. You see, the world out there doesn't like Christians because they stand for what they see as proper biblical truth. Now, even schools and universities now ridicule and mock Bible values. They do on TV programs and the videos we watch. There's a constant antagonism towards Christian values. Now, it's well known that in New Zealand, many university students lose their faith because they come under the influence of liberal teaching. And they're influenced by their non-Christian peers. Uh, we have very strong youth groups in this country. Uh, but the kids go off to university, and many of them are influenced by the impact of non-Christian stuff that goes on. So we see in this verse that if we're not careful, we can slowly at first walk with or take advice and be influenced by the ungodly. Then we can stand or spend time with those who are not sympathetic to Christ. And before we know it, we can sit with the scoffers and not speak up for the truth. Now we see this in Luke 22, classic example. Peter was in the garden with Jesus when he was taken off and tried before his crucifixion. When Jesus was seized by the high priest and led away to the high priest's house. And what happened there, we know that story very well, that Jesus, I mean, First of all, Peter, um, hang on, get my right pages here, they stick together. Um, Peter was walking with the crowd and following Jesus at a distance. You see, he was walking. Next, he was standing, watching with the crowd. And the next thing we see him sitting with the scoffers in the courtyard. And he was accused of having been with Jesus. And what did he do? He denied him because he had followed a process that went downhill. And we have seen what the blessed or happy people say no to. We need to say no and stand very securely for the things that we know is true. Now let's read in verse 2 what they say yes to. We need to be positive. What do Christians, the blessed, say yes to? The blessed person's uh, delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. You see, the blessed person does not see it as a duty or a drudgery to read their Bible. They see it as their greatest pleasure. 
The Bible is a means to an end. Meditating on scripture gives us an opportunity to encounter the living God. It gives us an opportunity to have an intimate relationship, friendship with God. In Psalm 19, verses 17, uh, 7 to 11, this is what David says about God's word. God's laws are perfect. They protect us. They make us wise and give us joy and light. God's laws are pure, eternal, and just. They are more desirable than gold. They are sweeter than honey dripping from a honeycomb, for they warn us away from harm and give success to those who obey them. Well, that's an amazing promise. So do we delight in God's word like this? We're told to meditate, to consciously engage our minds and focus on the truth, to carefully consider it. You see, this is how we grow in relationship. To ask the Holy Spirit to help us understand it. Sometimes we need that. Um, we need to get clarity through the Holy Spirit. To ask, what do I need to do with what I have read? Don't ever hesitate to ask that prayer. You don't understand them, what the word is and what it's saying. Ask the Holy Spirit's help. Now, is it a command or a promise to claim? Is it an attitude that I need to change? This is what the blessed or happy person does. I'll read that again. This is what the blessed or happy person does. We're looking for happiness. Here's your answer. He rejects ungodly advice and attitudes and constantly focuses on the truths of the Bible and becomes more intimate with God in the process. Now, let's read a verse, what the, per what the blessed person will be like. What is the blessing of being blessed? He will be like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and in whatever he does, he prospers. You see, a person who's drawing deep from God, he is like a healthy tree. He's not like a dead tree stump that is growing nothing. A tree is alive and growing. Growth is the normal part of life. We all need to grow. We expect anything that is alive to grow. I planned a lot of stuff and I expect it to grow. We don't expect a baby to be a baby all their life. And when a person becomes a Christian or believer and they're born again, we expect growth. The Bible tells us when this happens, um, we're on a milk diet. We never grow up in our faith, our level of intimacy with God. You see, if people don't want to grow, they won't grow. Some stay, and this is talking about people and the word of God coming into their life. Some stay on a milk diet and stay as babes in Christ. First Corinthians chapter 3 verse 2. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. So some people can stay at that superficial level. They don't want to grow. They don't get involved in God's word. They don't listen. They don't ask for understanding. And their level of knowledge and relationship stays very, very low. Now, just as a tree grows, especially when they're planted by water, so a Christian grows when he delights in the word of God and meditates it on, on it day and night. You see, I'm giving you clues on how to grow in your Christian life. 
But this is the advantage that verse also says that the tree brings out fruit in due season. Now, fruit is a picture of results. I, I've got fruit trees growing on my place. I love the results that come a couple of times, maybe once a year, but I look forward to that. And this is a picture of the blessed person growing more intimate with God and becoming more like Jesus. Now, fruit, you eat fruit on a, a nice day. Fruit also refreshes you. And when you are with a blessed or happy person, you feel refreshed and others bring feel refreshed by being with you. You see how it spreads. You feel encouraged and bring encouragement to others. That's the advantage of being blessed, being fruitful, being in a good relationship with God. John 15, chapter, uh, chapter 15, verse 4 says, we need to be connected to God to bear fruit. We need to have an intimate relationship. Take care to live in me and let me live in you. That's interesting. Take care to live in me and let me live in you. For a branch can't produce fruit when severed from the vine, nor can you be fruitful apart from me. Yes, I, Jesus, am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever lives in me and I in him shall produce a large crop of fruit, for apart from me you can't do a thing. That's really telling us that this relationship is so important. But it also says about the tree that its leaf does not wither. Now, COVID is a terrible time for most people. Uh, it's getting growing again in this country. A lot of people are withering. They're getting scared. They're worrying about it. You, you talk to them. They're frightened. But it says here that even in a relationship with God, the leaf does not wither. We don't get so frightened about it. Uh, they become mature, full-grown, connected to God in intimate relationship. Isn't it amazing how just a few verses in Psalm 1 can tell us incredible truth? The blessed person keeps going and growing. They don't give up even when the going gets hard. I'd love at this point, if I was with you, I'd say, stand up and tell me where you've had a hard time, but where you'll grow, where you have got stronger in that situation uh, because of your relationship with Jesus Christ and what it's given to you. But then we get to the end of Psalm 1, and it's a complete contrast. Verse 4 tells us what it says about the wicked. The wicked are not so, but they are like chaff which blows and the wind blows away. Chaff isn't much value, but it, it just blows with the wind. God and are controlled and people are controlled by their passions. This is the natural condition of all people until they become Christians. Think back before you became a Christian, how you were controlled by what? By your friends, by the influence of others, by your passions. You did what you felt was right because you were not being given the wisdom because of your relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, it says here that once you were under God's curse, doomed forever for your sins, you went along with the crowd, and you were just like all the others, full of sin. That, that really explains the world that lives around us. You were obeying Satan, the mighty prince of power of the air, 
who is at work right now in the hearts of those who are against the Lord. All of us used to be like, just like they are, their lives expressing the evil within us, doing every wicked things that our passions or our evil thoughts might lead us into. We started out bad, being born with evil natures, and we're under God's anger, just like everyone else. Now, I know that because till I became a Christian and possibly even afterwards, I was still controlled by my own passions, and I must have done things I'm not proud of. Now, this verse likens the wicked or ungodly person to chaff. Chaff is the skin around a wheat grain, uh, and it must be removed to get the valuable grain inside. Chaff is removed by threshing, which is not an easy process. One way of threshing is to throw the grain up into the air. Chaff, which is very light and is carried away by the slightest of the wind, so that the grain falls back to the ground. Now the wicked are led by the counsel of the wicked in the way of sinners to the seat of the scornful. They have no delight in the law of God and they don't bring any fruit. What a contrast. A fruitful Christian who's guided by the Spirit. They're not scornful. They listen to God's word. They let it influence them. The wicked don't. Now Psalm 1 contrasts two types of people and two roads that they walk, the righteous person and the wicked person. Now, verse 5 and 6, God says what the outcomes will be for the wicked person. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord knows the ways of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. You see, those without Christ are slaves to sin. Now this is very, if you're not a Christian today, if you have never ever become a committed Christian, you need to listen to this. Um, something that we need to think it through. You see, anybody without Christ in their life are slaves to sin. Their work of sinfulness earns eternal separation from God. Now eternal eternity is a long, long time. How would you like to live away from God and yet God tells us we can be with him or we can be not with him. And I know which one I would rather be. No matter how good a person they are, and some people say my goodness will get me into heaven. No, that's not right. It's just what they're thinking. Their work can never be good enough. Isaiah 64 verse 6, For all of us have become like the one who is unclean, and all our righteous deeds are like filthy garment. And all of us wither like a leaf, and our wrongdoings, like the wind, take us away. In Romans 6.23, it's very blunt, but it's telling the truth. For the wages of sin is death. Death or separation from a God who will one day redeem us, and we will stand, all believers will stand for eternity in his kingdom. But there is wonderful news, and I want to tell you the good news. The verse carries on and tells us the other road that we can take. Now listen to this. If you're not a Christian, you listen to this. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's such a powerful verse. I'm going to say it. The free gift, the free gift. God wants us to be with him in heaven. So he's offering this amazing free gift. 
free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. That's our way into salvation. Accepting Jesus Christ as God's Son, seeking God's forgiveness and asking Him. It's, it's as simple as that. The prisoner on the cross turned to Christ. He recognized who he was and he told him. And God said, or Jesus said, on the cross, you will be with me in paradise today. The other prisoner, he scoffed. He didn't believe who Jesus was. And sadly, too many people take that position. But you're being offered an amazing, wonderful future because you accept Christ as your savior. You become redeemed. You're set free through the blood that Jesus shed for you, and you have a wonderful future. Paul describes eternal life as God's free gift in Jesus Christ Jesus. You see, Jesus paid the price for our sins to be forgiven. It cannot be earned by human beings. We can't earn our way into heaven. Psalm 1 speaks of two people, two choices, two relationships, and the results of the choices they make. Now, if you're not a Christian, you listen to this. I want to encourage you today. The first word of this psalm is, Blessed is the one who actually, I believe and know, seek Christ. Find him and serve and follow him. And the last word in the psalm is, That the wicked will perish. Two amazing contrasts. It's brutal, but it's true. And we can't mess around with the truth. Here is a challenge. Only you have the ability to answer um, which life will you choose? The blessed life or the life that will perish? We all go on forever, but perish means to go into Satan's territory and spend eternity there, place great anguish and regret. Let me finish with a challenge. Let me ask you, and only you can answer this question, do you have an intimate relationship with God today? Or is it just a casual relationship? You could be a Christian, but, you know, you just carry on with your life. You don't desire to get close. And that's what this is urging you to do. This psalm gives us the steps of how we can be blessed and have an intimate relationship with God. Now, if you do this kind of relationship, you'll be able to say, as we read in Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 8, and I've changed the words to make it more personal. I'll just say that you can perhaps write it down. Jeremiah 17, 8. I will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. I do not fear when heat comes. My leaves are always green. I have no worries in the year of drought or the year of COVID that never fail to bear fruit. In verse 6, we see our reward as an intimate follower of God will not only be blessed, but it will also be, as it says in the last verse, for the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. You see, I'm preaching you today to you today, one, to encourage you, and two, to warn you. Encourage you, you make a relationship with God, you want to make it stronger, I've given you the steps. Someone tells us how to do it. But I'm also warning you that if you fail, there is a reward. There's a reward in both camps. But I know which one I would rather have. And if you are not, have not ever become a Christian, a committed Christian, um, now I'm not there, otherwise I'd talk to you. 
Uh, I know Ron would love to talk to you, but of course he's not there. So you're going to have to find someone in the church who can you can sit down with and say, hey, what I've just heard, I want to know more. And you will find that God loves to talk to you back through and teach you his ways and you become a committed Christian. So bless you in your journey. Bless you in your journey of faith. Make it strong and committed and intimate. And what a blessing you will be.